Welcome to the Valley Sports Plug Roundtable. My name is Chris Patrick. With me tonight is Michael Benjamin, and we are so glad to have you here. With us also tonight, a few special guests. But first, Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself. What up, Chris? Uh, glad to be back. I am Michael Benjamin, the tallest podcaster in Arizona, apparently. <laughs> uh, still might have to get it fact-checked, but i uh, excited to be here tonight, do a little roundtable, you know, kind of an, another thing we want to do once a month, bring in some of our friends and some other, you know, fellow Arizona sports fans to chop it up, and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, the tallest podcaster in Arizona. That is true. Don't look it up. Um, and also, Mike might be the tallest, but we also have the shortest podcaster with Valley Sports Plug, Ian, the 5'6 Colossus. <laughs> What's Damn, up, I thought I, I thought five six was like average. Damn. <laughs> What's I, going I didn't on? say short. Like I said five short. nine, right? I think so. Maybe I don't know. You're you got a big heart though, Ian, and I think that makes up more than anything. That's, a, that's all that matters. My spirit is seven foot tall. You know Hell what yeah. they say about big personalities, right? No. What do they say? Uh, I don't know. This might be a family-friendly show, so I, I don't know if I can say it right now. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I know I'm going to have a lot of questions for this guest. New to Valley Sports Plug. First time on the round table. First time on a stream. Um, ben Miller, is it true that everything is bigger in Texas? Yes. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Been a long-time listener, uh, longer-time friend, and happy to be here. We're happy to have you. And um, let's just uh, get right into it. And uh, real quick, just got to say, for those who have never been on a Valley Sports Plug roundtable, kind of Mike said, we invite our friends on. We have a good time. It's kind of fast and loose. Um, we got a few topics teed up to get us started. But then um, we want to hear from you. We want you to, to join in the conversation, be a part of the conversation. So leave your comments um, as we kind of go through here. And if, if there's a topic you want us to talk about or if there's something you have to say about a topic we're talking about, let us know. Also, go and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AZ underscore VSP, um, on Facebook at Valley Sports Plug, and of course, um, you're right here on YouTube. So uh, stay stay coming here for all the, the latest videos and podcasts. But um, with this first po uh, topic, as I would put it, Ben's, of course, wearing the Valley uh, shirt there. So he is a Suns fan. Everyone here knows me and Mike uh, Benjamin are Suns fans. Ian, Ian, is a Nets fan hailing from New York. And so I thought it'd be interesting to start off talking about this uh, Kevin Durant madness and uh, what has kind of transpired in the, in the past couple months. Yeah, let's just get it out there. Let's lay it out. Ian, do you, uh, let's just let's let you go first. What, what do you have to say about it so far? Uh, I miss knowing who plays on my basketball team. <laughs> That's the first thing I'd say is that I don't know supposedly Kyrie is opted in and is willing to play for the team, but you know, it's anyone's guess how long that's going to last. And then Kevin Durant is, seems like he's doing everything he can to pressure the front office into trading him. Uh, obviously that's a very, very big ask when you have one of the best players in the league who hasn't even started a four year contract yet. And you're trying to move him. That's, a move that might be the swan song for Sean Marks. If he messes that up at all, 
he's gone. Uh, and that's kind of where it is. It's a, it's a sinking ship right now for sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Kyrie plays. I thought he was a philosopher. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's even Miller. He's got uh, a part-time job as a point guard for the Brooklyn Nets. That's where I stand with it is basically I don't really know what's going to happen. Um, I think it's going to be a long time before we see a trade actually start <laughs> to materialize, especially with the asking prices that they've had. They, I think they need to wait for a team to get desperate or for them to get desperate so they can lower their asking price. Um and it's going to be a while before either of those things happen. It might not be until a trade deadline. Do you think, do you think that Katie will sit out games though and, and play hardball like that? Yeah. Um, I think he might for sure. Uh, especially I, I think we'll know early on what he's going to do. Cause either he's going to play or he's not going to show up for training camp at all. So preseason, if we don't see Kevin Durant, we're not going to see Kevin Durant ever again in the Nets uniform. I would think. It seems like it's trending that way. Ben Ben Miller, um, Stephen Miller, any relation? Uh, yes, very much. Hey, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I would say to jump off what Ian is saying, if you had to guess when the Nets went about this uh, project to go and actually build a super team to do what uh, Katie wanted to do with Kyrie, bring these players together with him, uh, Katie, Kyrie, and James Harden, how many games do you think in this experiment have they actually played together? I want to say it was like uh, like 16, like 16 to 20-something. It really wasn't that much in the two years that they played together. I feel I like it was actually lower than that. I think it was around the ballpark of like nine. It, w- it was 16. So over the course God of... Two, two and a half, almost three years playing together, they played the three superstars a total of 16 games. But I don't know. I don't think that we are going to see KD in a Nets jersey again. But I also don't know if that means that he is going to come over here to Phoenix, no matter how much he talks about it on online and says that that is what his intention is. And the thing is, I am wary to trade our entire future, our young core, for someone who is aging, even if they are top five player of all time, because that is a win now moment. And as you can see, we have the core that can get us to there. And as long as we make some quick changes, maybe get some uh, of the locker room stuff sorted out. I think that we can keep on getting back there and being competitive here. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, um, sorry, Chris, I, want, I no, wanted to it. ask um, the three of you at, at this point with, KD applying the pressure that he's applying to the front office with, you know, giving an ultimatum that you either fire Nash and Sean Marks or trade me. Those kinds of moves make me wonder, uh, as a Suns fan, if you were the general manager, would you even want him at this point? Because how long can you really guarantee to keep him happy? And introducing a ego that big to a team that was in the playoffs two years ago and still have a chance to make deep, deep runs. That can really fuck up the locker room chemistry, I would think, right? Like, it does that? Does the is the chemistry should that be valued over how good Kevin Durant is as a player, or do you kind of make take that risk still? 
Uh, I'd love to jump in on this one. I think yeah, Mike, you take. I think, it's your turn. I think I think you take that risk because of the time that KD has spent on the floor with both Chris Paul and um, Devin Booker uh, in the USA Basketball circuit. You know, KD played with Chris Paul. I want to say 2012 era, era time frame, maybe, and then obviously in 2020. Well, technically 2021. Um, with Devin Booker. So I think that there's obviously going to be expectations that are set once he comes into the fold. Chris Paul has a very high personality. We've heard about him rubbing people the wrong way about how, you know, the moment first, making sure that they're set up for success. You know, some guys are just there to play, be in the league, have a starlight around them. And, you know, whatever comes with their them playing, they're all for. But Chris Paul understands he's coming down towards the end of his career. And this is kind of his last ditch effort to try and make a run for a championship. And Kevin Durant, you know, to some point might have to be thinking the same thing too, just with the injuries that he's had the past couple of years, you know, coming back from that Achilles uh, in the, in the warrior series against the Raptors sitting out that year and just general, the clock is ticking for them. But I am with you at the same time where I get worrisome about hemorrhaging the entire team and mortgaging the farm just to bring him in. But I also think that's why a deal hasn't been able to get done at the same time. I bet you the Suns are holding on for dear life to keep Mikhail. I mean, that's a defensive prowess that isn't really built on trees. Um, if you could keep a core guy like that, you're set up for the future, not only if you were, to, were able to bring in Kevin Durant, but just as a team aspect as a whole. But now you get stuck because signing DA after the whole fiasco with the, you know, letting him go to free agency. And at the end of the day, we maybe saved a couple of bucks if that. And now your cap space is pretty much spent. So the only way that you can start thinking about bringing KD in is you have to get other parties involved. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a lot because at the end of the day, Brooklyn holds all the cards, you know, they're the ones who are trading the main asset. So you can hold the line until you don't want to, but it's the same way. What happened with Philadelphia, you had to, they waited it out. And Ian, exactly like you're saying, we could see this going and stretching until the trade deadline before any real movement happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if KD just sits his ass on the bench and says, okay, screw you, man. You already know what I want, figure it out, but we'll, we'll wait until then. I'm really curious who's going to come out on top in all this because it seems like the longer it drags out, KD's kind of trying to take away their leverage. And of course, they want to they want to get the most in return for a Kevin Durant that, like Ben said, top five player of all time, um, kind of probably on the downslope coming out of his prime, maybe in his prime coming out of his prime, whatever you want to argue. But in any case, the sun and you can understand the sun's perspective they don't want to mortgage the future and a lot of their fans don't want them to mortgage the future a la getting rid of mikhail bridges in a package and i don't think it's unfair for the nets to offer that but what i wanted to kind of just kick back to to you ian and maybe ben uh, you could also chime in on this i'd hate to play like what about but ian like do you wish it's going to come to the point where uh the nets would will look back and wish maybe they did work out some kind of sign and trade to get a donovan mitchell or a deandre ayton while the Suns still had that option before he he re-upped uh 
I mean, yeah, in a, in a perfect world, I wish we did sign and trade for better players that we could have had. You said Donovan Mitchell. I would love to have him as a return for Kevin Durant. But the issue when you say DeAndre Ayton is that we're now very abruptly in rebuild mode and there's players that we can't move very most notably Ben Simmons and we're kind of stuck there with them. And I don't like Simmons and Aiton next to each other. So that's the only reason I would say no to that. But if we were going scorched earth and somehow moving everybody and contract stipulations weren't a fucking issue, I would definitely sign and trade for Aiton for sure. Yeah, and I think that the I, I just always wonder why are the Nets so in love with getting players that are not going to play any games for them when you have <laughs> Kyrie, KD, Harden, and then also now getting Ben Simmons who just sat out the entire season when he was on the, uh, the Sixers. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean that's the main thing too. Like the this is all about leverage for KD, where whether it's him or Kyrie, they are really flying too close to the sun. Where in reality, the Nets' office, they own all the cards. They are the ones who have the power to say, you know what? Yeah, your contract, you signed it. You're with us for the next four years. Congrats. Um, that's why it is so interesting to see them bend over backward to try to keep these guys happy because they're the ones who hired Nash. They're the ones who got the uh, general manager. So it's when everything is starting to fall apart and you as KD start saying, Get it's these guys or me, and we're gonna ignore the fact that I'm the one that hired them. Yeah. Uh, it's kind. Of, it gets ridiculous, and also the fact that they tried that the Nets tried to give Kyrie the max. They did. They tried to give him an addition, uh, the four-year extension, but the only thing they wanted to add was a games played clause, and he refused. He's like, I'm not gonna be controlled. He so, wanted vacation days. It, he's got yep. vacation days. <laughs> How many games does no, like, he play? In, in season, though, in season, he needs those vacation days. Like, if he's just not feeling like it, he's got to be able to just go uh, go out of town for a couple days, take a few games off. Yeah, if he needs to go and uh, visit his niece, go to her birthday party on a Wednesday when you're supposed to be having two-a-day practice, you know, you can't hold him accountable, I guess. I, th- I think one of the other good uh, comments that you made, Ben, as well, is it was their decision to bring in Steve Nash. And it's uh, at the end of the day, it's an odd decision with everything that's going on. You knew what kind of personalities these guys were, you know, Kyrie has a track record, Kevin Durant as well. And then when they brought in James Harden, he's another guy who was kind of hard headed and hard to, you know, control and whatnot. And then you bring in Ben Simmons as well and thinks, think it's going to be all gravy and it's all going to mesh well together. There's only so many uh, high caliber, high, high, sorry, high caliber personalities that you can have in one room for one man to control, especially a guy who has no head coaching experience, really no bench coaching experience at all. Only his time with Golden State, you know, as kind of a practice coach, you know, one on one more stuff. So it was an odd decision, but now you're seeing, you know, the failures from it, I guess. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's 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 a weird decision. It I feel like it never works out. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but has has a player ever retired and gone right to head coach successfully? 
Mm-hmm. Like even even barring the giant egos that Simmons, Kyrie, and KD have. Was was uh the Cavaliers Tyron Lue's first coaching gig? I think but I guess when you have LeBron James coaching gig, kind of a cheat code. Uh, that's a little bit different too. But I'm pretty sure yeah. Tyron you, Tyron Lue did some time on the bench as like assistant for a couple of years. I could be mistaken, but I don't think he was just kind of thrown into the fire. The only other example I can think of of that happening is Jason Kidd. Well, yeah, and we saw how that worked out the first couple of years. <laughs> yeah, you know, was when aw- he was with, with Milwaukee and Milwaukee, and, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. Was he ever the Knicks coach? No, he was he was just the Nets coach. Yep. Nets and he spilled the soda on the floor so he can get his extra timeout. And then uh he tried to make a power move and steal president of basketball operations from whoever had that title. And then he was the first head coach to ever get traded. <laughs> Wait, who was the first head coach to get traded? I'm sorry. Jason Kidd. Oh, Jason that's Kidd. right. That's right. Yeah. No, 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 I thought Doc Rivers got traded before Jason Kidd did. Oh, did he? I might be wrong. Yeah, and like he came, he he was traded to the, to be the Clippers coach from Boston. I'm pretty sure. It was a, it, it was after like the Kevin Garnett like Ray Allen era fell apart. Yeah, and I, and I think that speaking to another topic that I think we wanted to talk to is that Bill Russell made that jump from player to coach as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and again. Uh, Big Bro points that out. Steven, Bill Russell was also a coach. He was a player and a coach. Different time. Absolutely. So, Ben, you bring up Bill Russell. And uh, the title of this video did mention something about Chris Patrick being called out. Um, Little backstory. Uh, Ben called me last night, said, Chris, I listened to the Heat Check podcast. And you posted some cringe, bro. Uh, you posted some cringe with your Bill Russell takes. Now, I will admit, I was a bit hyperbolic at times. I was You could call me a devil's advocate, uh, bombastic, and um, maybe... He's just asking questions. Just asking I'm, just questions. Asking, I'm just asking questions. I'm maybe getting a little ahead of my skis. But I do stand by it, honestly. I, 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 I'm going to double down. I got some stats with me here. But I, we got you on the record now. We got you on on uh, on the pod here. And so I wanted to find out what you and Ben, I'm sorry, you are Ben, you and Ian think about um, the Bill Russell and the number six being retired league wide. And uh, Ben, maybe I'll let you go first and maybe explain, uh, let you explain your side of uh, thinking and all that. Yeah. So Bill Russell, I think undeniably as a player, as a coach, as a general, a human being is one of the greatest people ever associated with the NBA as a whole from his professional career, which is un- unabridgeable where 11 time NBA champion, five time MVP, 12 time all-star and also an Olympic gold medal to boot. Even if he was playing against plumbers for the most part, um, <laughs> the, ma- the main part is that that is, you're never going to see the likes of that again, of seeing a player with the double digit championships of that. But the other thing is that, when you are going to do an action, like retire someone's number for an entire league after their death, I think that it could be something that maybe they would have wanted. Maybe what is the reason that they did not do that while he was alive? Why did they not give him his flowers and have this parade of praise for him while he was still with us? And frankly, 
some of the reports I've seen is that he just didn't want it. He's like, hey, don't pay attention to me. My basketball career was great. Um, but there are so many other issues that I need to talk about right now that are important, that are affecting me, people who look like me, and uh, and my culture. So being hit with his entire civil rights, uh, his the, being such a legend in the civil rights community, and from day one to the day we lost him was fighting that good fight. I think that you should always like ask the person who is being honored. Do you, do you want this? Is this something that honors you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I agree mostly with what Ben said. Um, the only thing I can really equate retiring Bill Russell's Jersey number two, because the only other sport I watch is baseball. And we did that with Jackie Robinson and there's no argument to be made that, you know, Bill Russell was just not just as big as a civil rights leader as Jackie Robinson, but it's, he's in the conversation. You know what I mean? Like he's right there pushing the envelope forward for us as a, as a species. And I think, I think that's really what it should take to have that kind of honor. And I think he did it. So I I really, I don't see much of an issue with it. So getting on to your point, Chris, of what you were talking about saying, well, this is a slippery slope. What are, what are they going to do? Thinking 500 years down the line. I don't think the NBA is thinking uh, what they're going to have for breakfast tomorrow morning. So the main thing no. is, is that there are plenty of numbers. If they want to do that, they're looking for the headlines right now to follow in the trend and to just get um, the positive publicity in the moment. Is it a overall good thing and is it needed but depending on like all the things that we usually talk about in this league i think so and i think that it's definitely for the reasons they said it is something that is important and that is we should recognize as something that players should use their platform they should use their influence to speak on the issues that are impactful to them and the community around hundred percent. And I think you and Ian brought up a ton of great points that I, I absolutely agree with and would stand by. And you probably even sold me on number six being okay to retire league wide. But I do want to stand on that when you when it comes to retiring numbers as a, a whole, it, I do still think it could be a slippery slope. And I have some numbers that I want to share with you. And you're right, Ben, that they're, these leagues, they're not thinking about what they're going to eat for breakfast tomorrow. You know, everything we do today is the everyone else down the road's problem, you know, a million tomorrows. But just looking at a few teams, especially ones we're talking about here, um, the Celtics have 23 retired numbers in their 76-year history. So... At that pace, Ben, in less than 500 years, like you just said, all the numbers will be retired. And will they just go to triple digits? Once again, half of those players are plumbers. Um, but who knows? I mean, I can see a world where we get we start losing the numbers and just go with the name on the back. Uh, but also, at the end of the day, I think a number is just a number. If you want to get into numerology and athletes who are notoriously superstitious, you can definitely get into that. But, you know, if you are going to be a have a lifetime achievement and this is one of the one things that they can do for, for you, then, yeah, let them do it. 
uh, even if I personally find it to be shallow and against the wishes of the person who you're trying to honor. Gotcha. So you're saying like we agree that we don't like number six being retired, but my, you don't you didn't like my reasoning about because I my my reason because I did also to be fair to myself. If you go back and listen to the most recent Heat Check podcast, which the video is now on this YouTube channel, I uploaded that about 45 minutes before the show launched. So if you don't have Spotify or any podcast service, if you live in a cave that just has YouTube, you can watch and listen to the podcast here. But um, like I was getting back to my point, Ben, I know you said also your criticism was that I trail off and get off topic. But my (laughs) my point being is that um, was also that Fuck, I forgot where I was going, didn't I? Oh, you trailed <laughs> off. You're going off. I trailed off. See, I trailed off. No, no, no. You're stuck was in the woods a... now. I'm, I'm stuck in the woods now. Um, and that might be the case. And that might be the case. So um, while I try and remember, Mike, do you have anything? You've been uh, kind of chilling up there in the top right for a while. No, I think I said a lot. I had a lot of my sentiments uh, on the last Heat Check podcast, uh, and I'll stand by them. You know, unequivocally, the man was an absolute winner, probably the most all-time in NBA history. And he also helped, you know, change the game uh, from a social aspect. So it's it's far and few between that you will see those type of individuals come into, you know, any kind of aspect, whether it be sport or culture you could go even to, into movies people people who just have a platform to help change things throughout the world and he was definitely you know at the forefront of that i you, you say the celtics have 23 retired numbers that's because you know coming up with the, from the creation of the nba up until the 80s they were one of the most winningest franchises in nba history and all they did was win so you give those accolades out because you're at the top of your craft where you can look at the suns we've been to three nba finals and a majority or not a majority but a good handful of those guys are in the sun's ring of honor because it was our pinnacle of success as franchises you know so you're not there's only 15 guys on a team there's still going to be plenty of numbers and the league has a whole bunch of parody in it nowadays anyways where you know i don't know how many more people the celtics are gonna have to be retiring unless they go on a stretch and just win for a decade and a half and win multiple championships and whatnot that's the only way that you're seeing it but that's not happening anymore you know the warriors and the cavaliers went on their run well specifically lebron james but there's just too many good players in the league nowadays where things have to fall your way in order to reach the top and be a winner where it's going to fall. I don't think there's going to be as many guys, you know, seeing their numbers go into the rafters as often as it was at the creation of the league, because there also was way less teams. Well, so the bar's a lot higher now, obviously, like you can't, like we said, you can't compare generations. So like and and also to ben's point there yeah i know you love that line ben and they're also all plumbers to ben's point so it's from plumbers and now so if you put all the plumbers against the current celtics roster they would win 11 they would win all the championships back then so it's like at what point do 
I mean, obviously at some point they'll, they're going to have to maybe reevaluate that or not. I like, I like Ben said, he, there's also other options, you know, like I said, three digits, there's just going, just adopting the name on the back of the Jersey, especially with the way they're already adding advertisements. Maybe it's just a Mountain Dew logo and then your name above that. Um, and each player has a different advertisement and that's what they get called by, but who, who knows, <laughs> who knows. Um, and the starting center for the Phoenix Suns wearing number Batman sign. <laughs> What a dunk by Mountain Dew! I think they would still have the pool when that when the when that goes down. But I like this. Um, I like this comment by Stephen. Maybe this can get the conversation shifting in a different direction. Um, he says this reminds me a lot of the combo around Kobe and changing the logo when he passed away. Um, as many of you may or may not know, uh, Jerry West is unofficially the logo. Um, he doesn't like it. I think he's on record saying he doesn't like it. Um, and there's a lot of people that have, it's been kind of, um, a polarizing topic of changing the logo. I Ian, uh, do you, what is your take on, uh, you know, maybe Kobe or someone else becoming the logo? Kobe would be cool. The only real objective objection I can have on that is that, uh, he's not around to say that he doesn't like it, but yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think he's worthy of that uh, little head nod of having being the logo for sure. Ben. You know, since Jason Tatum texts uh, Kobe's number before every game, uh, I think he is the one who should be the one to really uh, decide for us. Make the call. <laughs> Make the call. <laughs> Do you think he's ever gotten a text back? Like Vanessa's just like stop, stop texting me. <laughs> it's one of those auto texts. So you just go capital S T O P stop, and it says you've been unsubscribed <laughs> from Jason Tatum saying, "Hey man, I miss you." No, I I totally I I, I Stephen just keeps bringing up hit hit bangers here. I do think Tatum is real cringe here. When when I saw that, it's like when you when everyone when anyone tries to do a tribute like that, and then they like it's either you gotta nail it or you're going to fucking fail it. And he fucking failed and it made him look like a fool and to the point not that you saw, I'm sure everyone saw the, everyone in the Valley who is on like whatever social media saw the pictures of like people comparing even Devin Booker. Cause he, he doesn't like the Kobe comparisons though. He shies away with it. And I don't know if Tatum's comparing himself to, to Kobe necessarily, but like I get the Kobe praise, but like when you throw on the four or I'm sorry, the eight or the 24, you got to perform. And then there's that pressure and that balance um i don't know mike what do you think does jason tatum post and cringe so i was very thrown off by that armband that he was wearing the purple and gold one was it during the finals or was it the eastern conference finals against miami either way i understand that he has a very a, a, a great love and admiration for kobe bryant but you also have to think about what you stand for for the franchise that you play with the Boston Celtics do not like the Los Angeles Lakers, and they never have. Even going back to the late 2000s when they went and clashed up against each other in those two NBA finals. I just I thought it was an odd sight, first and foremost, to have anybody from the Boston Celtics showing any kind of love for the Los Angeles Lakers in any capacity, I, even if it's Kobe Bryant. There's just there had to have been a lot of people who are Boston Celtics diehards who probably jumped off a ledge when they saw that where it's like, 
man, our main guy is wearing purple and gold on the, at the highest level and the, and the mm. highest stage in front of national television. That's crazy. But yeah, then, I, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, go. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, and I think that one of the things that we can address there is like as cringe as, as it is to be wearing your opponent's colors on that stage and everything else is that these athletes are people like Kobe was a beyond like transcendental person that inspired countless people around from just playing basketball, the different mentality, the just seeing how he approached the game and life in, in general. And you know what? I, as cringe as it is to wear that or to be posting about how you're, you text the number that he had given you at one point. I don't know. I think that players can grow beyond than just being like a fan base for itself for as part of their team because at the end of the day this is going to be their profession and they may be on multiple teams uh if you're the average player compared to a superstar that may be on one two three teams over their career no you bring up good points too but it also can come back to the whole full circle conversation that you have about there's really just a majority of players that you start to consider for you know, items like retiring numbers or changing logos. And I'm sure you guys, you might have some other few because everybody has a fan base and, and a love for different people. But you could say that the four main guys that you can start talking about in the future, what might happen with, I don't know, numbers or logo changes, like we st stated, is Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, probably LeBron James, and Bill Russell, it, it's far and few between. There is really a selective group. Um, you know, you could start thinking about even some of the greats at the time um, with Bill Russell, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't, he's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, but I don't think there was as much love and adoration for him, even more so as a person than there was for a Bill Russell, because what Bill Russell did for social justice issues, the continued fight that he had, and how he was really still around the game until his passing. He was always there. You could count on Bill to show up to All-Star Games or maybe make an appearance at an NBA Finals because he loved the game, he loved the culture, and he wanted to still help make an impact for anybody who, could, who would listen to him. So those guys are far and few between, and I think it was well-deserved at the end of the day. I was actually going to ask if we entertain the idea of a slippery slope with retiring numbers league-wide, the next logical candidate would kind of be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Like, just based on the same things, big civil rights activist, pushed the game to another level, uh, has at rings, not as many rings, of course, but... He was in the Do movie you? Airplane. He was. <laughs> Isn't he a writer on The Good Place, too? Is no he? way, really? I would love that so much. I hope I that's true. It. I just choose to believe that's true. Don't even tell me if it is. But no, Ian, go on. No, that's for, that's basically what I'm asking. Is Is for the same reasons that Bill Russell qualifies as having his league retired, league-wide, I'm sorry, his number retired league-wide, do you 
does Kareem Abdul-Jabbar meet those same qualifications? I mean, that's I would arguably say yes. Is isn't he isn't he the all-time scoring leader? Yeah. And then on top of that all those other, everything else you just said and being in the movie Airplane. Um Bill yeah, Russell I think was never an airplane. He wasn't. No, Ben, what <laughs> movie was Bill Russell in? <laughs> but but no, he had I, to have some like TV appearances or something at least. Yeah. You know, there, there's some pretty grainy footage where he was standing up there uh, in 1963 on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial at the March on Washington uh, next to Dr. King. If you count that, that as a movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and and Kareem, Kareem uh, is a writer on Veronica Mars, the new reboot. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that is so random, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that. So I think all of those reasons, especially those last few, um, by the standard set. But to Ben, like to Ben's point, and I totally agree with it. It, it would he consent to that? Um, is this just going to be like I think Ian, what you're saying is that, is that the slippery slope of waiting till players pass and then doing retiring their number, or honoring them in a way that they didn't want to be honored. Um, Ben, I know you like slippery slopes. What do you what do you think about that? You know, I think that it's it's always convenient and it's always it cuts out a lot of loose ends if you wait for the person that might have an opinion about using their name to not be able to say how they feel about it, yes or no. So you know what? If people find it to be impactful and meaningful for them to have this retired, or as uh, I think as Steven said in the chat if the NBA named more awards after players for different pieces, um, like scoring titles, assist titles, rebounds, I think that, that it could be meaningful too. Yeah. Only I mean, they if do... we give only if Cause... we give Reggie Miller the three points uh award name. Ooh. Not Reggie. Ray Allen? Not Ray exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Not Ray Allen. It might need to come down to a fan vote or something, but we know the fan voting is just <laughs> well and I think I think they've kind of started to undertake that initiative this year by adding um, MVP trophies for the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. I'm pretty sure they named those, right? I think was one the Eastern Conference one was Bill Russell, Eastern Conference MVP, or and the Western Conference was Magic Johnson. It's uh, the Bird and Magic. Ah, okay. Uh, so, but they've already kind of started to, you know initiate those kind of items to you know give praise to their legends so yep that was a good idea um that's another way to that's another way to honor him i mean in you see that in college pretty much every one of those trophies and season awards are named after a person you got the larry o'brien which is the the championship trophy if i'm not mistaken um Last thing, I want to kind of wrap up this topic on retired numbers and shit. But uh, Ian, I, I wanted to something I was doing in my little pre-show research here, trying to get a rebuttal going with them. Um, I was seeing how many retired players the Yankees have or retired numbers. Um, mm -hmm. They have they technically it depends on how you look at it. They either have twenty three or twenty one retired numbers because, because they're competing, right? Yep, the number eight is retired twice, and also the number forty two is retired twice. Yep. So um, I did look it up. It was had some. It was their catchers. It was Yogi Berra and um, one other guy. I don't quite remember. 
Um, but that that was interesting. So again, Celtics and the Yankees both have 20 plus numbers retired. But again, to kind of I think to what Mike was saying, the Yankees have a ton of championships. They got it in an era where they were just dominating. Um, and even into the recent history, uh, they were dominating uh, through, was it most of the 90s and early 2000s? Yeah, started around 96, and their last winning World Series was 2000, I think 2000. And then, the, yeah, and then they won in 09. 09. Yeah. So I think 2000 and then 2009 would be the gap there. But yeah, they have 27 rings they have a lot of retired players so there was a a specific team that basically put a halt to the dynasty that was going on in the late 90s right early 2000s yeah the marlins did it in 2002 as well you know which one we're talking about (laughs) but what was was before 2002 What, what about 2001 oh 2000 was before 2002 they beat the mets that year Stop dancing around the issue, my friend. <laughs> yes, the Diamondbacks did beat the Yankees Good in man. 2001. That happened. Everybody hey, gets one. We Exactly. And that's all we got, Ian. <laughs> we literally only have one. Okay? So, so if, if it, it ever comes like up, it. you make sure that you talk about it. I'm talking about it. My man. Here, here's an idea. What if for every – instead of the Yankees retiring numbers – for every player they want to retire, it's a pinstripe. You just take that off. That's a good idea. They should retire numbers for teams that beat them. They'll be like, all right, Randy Johnson, he kicked our ass that year. We'll retire his number. But so then when was... he ended up with the Yankees, he would have had to change numbers. Did he change numbers anyways, or was he still 51? I don't know. He might have been 51 because um, when you look at the numbers that are retired, it's all the low ones that are taken and like the higher ones are still kind of pretty wide yeah. open. Yeah, yeah, I'll read them off here real quick just because I have them in front of me. Um, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8, 9, 10. So 1 through 10, just fuck, fuck the Yankees, 1 through 10. <laughs> yep. 15, 16, 20, 23, 32, 37, 42, 42, 44, 46, 49, and 51. So, yeah. Oh, so he might have changed. Yeah, he was 41. I'm looking at it right now. He was 41. Johnson was 41 with the Yankees. Apparently, I, just, I guess that when, when it comes to retiring jerseys, they just didn't want to, like, maybe they didn't want to have players with two numbers. Because the Celtics, it's, it's one, two, three five six ten i guess ten doesn't count maybe i'm off but in any case back to the point at hand um i do think that's very interesting that they have the the two jerseys retired the original topic that we brought up um but going on to the next topic um what are you guys um looking forward to in the coming nfl season i know ian you might not be the biggest football fan but ben um do you have your eye on anything like the cardinals or are you a cowboy you're not a cowboys fan are you i will be cold and dead in the ground if i ever root for the dallas cowboys uh i mean but that's a good point too it's like when you for those of you who don't know i live in uh, dallas texas uh but for anyone 
who is living in a different city than the team that you root for, it can get really depressing to watch the people around you just get so sad and horrible, unless those people are Cowboys fans, because then your <laughs> tears fuel you. And when you have a wonderful time, like the Cardinals getting to absolutely route them last season, uh, you just get to have a wonderful time. So the, the only thing I'm not looking forward to this year is that the Cardinals don't have another chance to beat the Cowboys uh, like they have the past couple of years. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. I remember that when that happened, um, my old supervisor was a huge Cowboys fan and we used to always give each other shit. And he was the first person I hit up just to, to rub it in. Um, I think it's very interesting. You know, obviously we got the, the Kyler contract, um, I I know personally I think it's going to be interesting to see what the wide receiver situation is like with the DeAndre Hopkins being out and how Hollywood Brown is going to have to step up and some of these other guys are going to need to to kind of make plays and and be be the filler while while Hopkins is out like I'm saying but beyond all of that I think it's just making an impact and knowing that we're going to get the national hate. We're going to get that disrespect. We're we're not the the biggest market. We don't get any love out there. But it's going to be important to try early on. We have we, like we've talked about here on this show, we have a tough schedule. There's like 6 3 4 5 of the games, 5 of the first 6 games before we get Hopkins back are going to be real tough. Um and Ian, I'm I'm kind of sorry to talk talk Valley Sports or I'm sorry, Valley Sports but specifically Cardinals cuz you, cuz you're not a big football guy, but Dude, I'm um, on your I'm on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That's a good yeah. point. But I'll, just, I'll kick it. I'll kick it over to Mike. Um, what do What are you looking forward to, Mike? Oh, is he frozen? Is he still there? Can you see me? Can yes. you hear me? Yes. I'm still here. Um, I'm looking forward to the preseason being over at this point. I just want I just want the real games to kick in, man. Like there's only so many times I can watch uh Trace McSorley throw the football and knowing that he's never gonna sniff the field unless both of our guys have crazy injuries and whatnot. I understand why it has to happen. You have to fill out your roster and whatnot, but I'm ready to see these new skill position guys be on the field. Like I haven't seen Hollywood do anything. Even when we went to uh red white practice, he was in street clothes. He didn't even step on the field for practice so i'm just ready for it to get going uh, i have been watching hard knocks though uh right now they have the lions on dan campbell man what a that guy is awesome i love him man he's he'll make you run through a brick wall but i did get a nice little laugh at the uh, i think they just had episode two come out and they've been doing kind of like a little preview not necessarily a preview but like a shot from Cardinals training camp and basically says hard knocks in season coming November 9th or whatever. And the last one they had was literally just Cliff Kingsbury, like in his office, like looking at film with a controller in his hand. It was the most awkward thing I had ever seen. I have to, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find a photo of it, but if you guys keep talking, I might be able to rummage it up. It was the weirdest thing. Cause it's not a photo. It's them like standing in front of them. And you, the producer must've had to been like, Okay, Cliff, we're going to get you in your element. You're going to be breaking down this film, you know, watching DeAndre Hopkins go on a slant, and you just look focused and intent and intense about it. 
and he's literally just standing there like this. Do you think he even has anything for like on fifteen him? for like fifteen seconds? I wish he had glasses because then we could see if there was actually like anything behind him that he was watching. But <laughs> it was just the it was the weirdest thing, man. The previous one they did was DeAndre Hopkins like doing stretches, like going up and down on this box. It's like oh. in season hard knocks coming soon. I will say for for hard knocks watching especially like this new season and how they're at the lions right now i am ready to run through a brick wall for the lions and i never thought i would say that just because it is so entertaining to watch mm -hmm. their head coach and just the, the emotion that they have when they're playing and how he's uh, getting for his guys like i think that they're going to be a sneaky much better team still horrible but much better than last year than uh we've seen in the past yeah, and that that'd be interesting to even maybe dissect on on another on another show. And I I want to um, deep dive like fantasy football a little bit, maybe at some point in time. But I was just thinking a little bit about it. And and Ian, you have these these football all these football topics and and all these these teams that are doing these these shows. Do you think the NBA should have a show like that where uh, a camera crew follows a team in season and kind of shows like what they go for, go through like in a little bit of practice and like the travel aspect of it all? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think they should pick. Let's uh, I'll, I'll try to step back and be unbiased about it, but I do want the most dysfunctional team at the time to be the one that's followed around, even though that like that, the answer to that would be the nets. Even if it wasn't the nets, I would still want that just for entertainment's sake, but it yeah, would be I think, awesome. I think it'd be very, I think it'd be a lot more interesting. Um, I'm not, not to take anything away from the NFL hard knocks, but it's much more intimate when you have a smaller roster, right? You're looking, you're talking about, 15 guys maybe a few guys will come and go as you have injuries but it's it's a lot smaller of a roster so yeah uh much more personal and and could could lead to more drama so i think like you're you, of course you're, you could get labeled the homer but i don't think you're wrong the nets with all the drama they've been through especially if if it were to have happened last season that would have been crazy uh ben you're kind of nodding there do you think that would be a good team or was there another do you think there might be another team you would also like to see I don't know. I think I was just nodding along. <laughs> All right. All right. I like it. Mike, what do you think about that though? Like hard, hard knocks uh, for, for uh, basketball. Oh yeah. Uh, any chance you get to be able to see kind of the inner workings of an organization and a team and their day-to-day -day structure and, you know, what they're talking about at practice, what they're seeing when they're dissecting film even what the guys are like eating day to day, like their chefs that are coming in and whatnot. I, I just personally think all that kind of stuff is interesting because it takes work to be on the highest level in professional sports. And you really have to take care of yourself, take care of your body. And I, I, I'm just always interested to see what these guys like to do in their free time because there's normally not a lot of it. So mm -hmm any chance you get to kind of see the inner workings of clubs i'm all for it that'd be awesome and i'm i'm surprised nobody's taking advantage of this at this point rainbow with Kyrie <laughs> yeah kyrie kyrie giving lectures on flat earth theory and um 
other other topics. Um, you know, I think some of the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. You go. If you got something, go for it. So I, th- I think to answer your question before, I think the most two most entertaining teams would to watch and just see how they go about their day to day business. Obviously, it's the it's the Bucks with Giannis, and just seeing like how he is as a person behind the scenes. But also, I want to see what's going on in Memphis. Mm, good point. Memphis, like they got something brewing down there. They have culture, and it is something that is going to be really exciting this years to come. Yeah, and that's I think that's the biggest thing I'm excited for in general with the NBA is there's a lot of these young teams like Memphis um, where there's much more parity in the league now than there ever has been, where, of course, I say that as the Warriors just won their whatever fourth <laughs> championship, whatever. Yeah. But I am excited to see, and I think, Ben, you bring up great points. The Bucks would be great. Um, Steven says Timberwolves would be fascinating. I think he's right. Anthony Edwards um, – I think they still have D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Ian was a big D'Angelo Russell supporter uh, way back in his in his time. <laughs> best, Nevzi says, best college team in the NBA. Um, like I said, yeah, all these teams are young. So it is like a bunch of uh, college kids coming out. But you say that even still, and you got guys like Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson who uh, they kind of played. I don't think – did Mikel Bridges play four years? Doesn't matter. They played later. They, that was the sale. They, they were older guys. But – I do think that would be super interesting. I don't know if it would ever happen. Um, it's it's hard to say, and and we'll see. But I think that's uh, oh shit. I I keep I keep tapering off, guys. Like I totally was like I got a topic queued up. I got to start writing this shit down. But um, oh oh, that's right. I wanted to talk about like um, maybe getting away from sports a little bit because we do try and make these sports and pop culture that is as advertised. Um, and and if anyone's watching on YouTube. Uh, we are going to put this up uh, as a podcast after the fact, but uh, I've been munching on a, a roast beef sandwich from La Madeline and it's been delicious. I'm sorry. I'm just really hungry before the show. Ian had a burrito. Um, where was that from? Uh, just Chipotle. I uh, should Chipotle. get La Madeline though. I live right down the street from it. Dude, try it out. It's honestly really good. Sabrina turned me on to it. Um, I think it's a cha- chain. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, Ben. Cause I think that's, that's what it was when we were out in Dallas um sabrina and my mom went to a la madeline in dallas and sabrina was like oh i love this place and then when she found out there's one in gilbert she drug me out to it and i was like okay it is actually good have you been there yeah i mean it's it's a few places around when i was living uh, on campus at smu for a little bit uh there was one like right around the corner so just going down there and getting some soup on a nice day like that was always my favorite yeah yeah exactly it's just like real like it's good quality food it's not that expensive and it's just like yeah it's convenient um so i wanted to just maybe ask all three of you just throw it out there whoever wants to answer first um you, you got chipotle we got la madeline i would consider those like they're not fast food they're but they're not like a sit-down restaurant they're kind of like in that like i think there's a word for it but i don't know it off the top of my head what's your favorite restaurant like that though where you just like you can either walk in order ahead or whatever it's like that mid-tier restaurant i'm a big five guys supporter i think that would fall in the same category right Mid-tier. Hmm. I would say fuzzies. Going for like a, a breakfast burrito or some tacos, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, because I'm thinking chains, right? Like, would you, even though it's fast food is, well, In-N-Out Burger is fast food, right? Yeah. I guess 
but like most sub shops would you consider a sub shop fast food like subway is kind of i would consider subway kind of fast food i wouldn't consider it mid-tier uh yeah i'd say subway's fast food but then you have other sub shops there's like jersey mike's firehouse i would say firehouse is mid-tier i really like firehouse i like jersey mike's for sure Mm -hmm, jersey mike's ike's love and sandwiches definitely i would put in that mid-tier is ike's Ike's kind of expensive though is ike's a chain like that though or is it just a local local thing it's uh they're based out of san francisco so it is a chain and i'm just not sure Mm -hmm. how big of a chain it is oh okay yeah, I guess I'm not like necessarily saying like it has to be franchise or anything. I did learn recently that Panda Express, I don't know if it's still the case, but all but like two locations. They only franchise like two locations and it's in like super remote areas. Otherwise, like one family owns all the Panda Expresses in, in the world. Kind of like how uh, Steve Aoki's dad is Benny Hanna. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky Aoki. Yeah. That's Steve Aoki's dad. Yeah. <laughs> But you were, you were talking about uh, Dallas, Chris. Uh, did you know that mm-hmm. an Arizona institution, Chiba Hut, they just opened one up here too? No shit. Nice. Expanding oh, yeah. out. That's fucking awesome. Speaking of expanding out and talking about restaurants, um, a local favorite, um, The Vine, shut down in Tempe and relocated to Ahwatukee. Uh Ben, I think you're probably the best person to speak on this out of anyone um just get it out get it out there steve steven if you if you got if you're still watching get it out you know uh deep in your heart you know that all good things must come to an end and i am saddened to see that a institution 36 years as steven says can't type through the tears 36 years uh on that corner of rural apache uh, in the A-frame of a former village inn where countless, countless people have gone through, where uh, legendary teams like that 97 Rose Bowl team with Jake Plummer and Pat Tillman used to sit on a throne and drink dollar, uh, dollar or I think like 50 cent beers at that time. And it was truly a place. And it wasn't it's not just the building, it's not just the location and how close it was to campus, basically being right there. It was the people too, where you had bartenders who have been there for decades, who know it and love it, and have just been a part of the institution where you see, you may go through your time at college there or in the community and go and meet them once, twice, and they're gonna recognize you years down the line and point you out and say, hey, rich guy, hey, this guy. Or, uh, or give you a nickname like Toe if you are dumb enough to leave your car overnight and it gets towed uh, like like a certain viewer of this uh, video. Yeah, Ben, do, do, one, do one of these right now. Just do like do like that, right? And oh, yeah. other side, other side. Yeah, there. Right yeah. <laughs> that guy. But, uh, but no, it, it's going to be sad. But I'm excited to be uh, Chris. Our 10-year high school reunion is coming up. I'm excited to be joining oh, and coming back to the valley for that, um, and watching the ASU U of A football game from yep. the new and improved location in Amatuki too. But you know, it's all the same people. They just relocated to the suburbs, have a new full uh, full kitchen, and it's going to be different. But it'll it'll still hold that uh, that special something because it's not the place; it's the people. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad it's all the same people. And 
Um, like Steven said, I, I had, had it pulled up there, but shout out Mikel Bridges. He did show up on the last karaoke night. Um, I was telling Ben last night, me and Ian showed up down there um, on, within their last week, and we tried to to go get a last beer naively thinking we could get in, and it was either a Saturday night or something like that, and it was jam-packed to the gills. Like, the I was, busiest we walked, I've ever seen it. Yeah, busiest I've ever seen it. And so we decided to go up the road to Devil's Advocate, and I just I wanted to remember it for the good times when it wasn't always the busiest place, but it felt like home. And um, Ben really Ben really brought me into the vine to show me how how awesome of a place it was. And then I drug Mike and Ian out there. Um, I don't know if I actually Mike you might, I don't know if you had been to the vine before before we were friends, but um, in any case, after Ben went off to Texas and ran away. Um, pretty much almost every Saturday or most most weekends. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> Those kidding. Are fight words. Ah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but um, we would go there um almost every weekend for a couple years, and uh, like Ben said, the the staff is amazing. The the vibe was amazing. Just really really great people, and so I'm I'm definitely gonna head down there to the Awatuki location. I know when Ben rolls through, he'll go down there. I'm sure Stephen will head down there. Um. But yeah, like other thinking of like other local spots, like Ben mentioned Chiba Hut. Because I'm just I, guys, I'm hungry. I'm thinking about food right now. <laughs> you, what's like what's like another like local spot? I know um, for me personally, there used to be a Chino Bandito at Dobson and uh, Chandler. No, yeah, Chandler Boulevard, Dobson and Chandler Boulevard. And if anyone doesn't know Chino Bandito, it's supposed to be like um, Mexican Chinese food fusion, but also kind of like Americanized Chinese and Mexican fusion. Um, so it was just real interesting flavors, like really actually fucking good. Their signature is called like Jade Chicken. Um, but like, is there is there another like local spot like uh, Chiba Hut or Chino Bandito that you guys like? Have you discovered Godzooks yet? I've driven by them a bunch, never been. Yeah, heard of it, never been though. It's awesome. It's um, very similar to Chipotle, but they have a stone baked oven and it's enchiladas. So basically, you tell them what you want in the enchiladas toppings of all that and then they chuck it in the oven pull it out it's phoenix they're very proudly like phoenix centric and it says it all over their merchandise and everything it's like the first place i've seen since i've lived here where they're really you know repping phoenix it's Mm -hmm. pretty awesome oh the classic jimmy and joe's classic form from the former employee himself if he's if he's I would be saying that. It's been a couple of years. Nope. No one slings uh slang slices like Stephen Miller. Did you guys work there at the same time or different times, Mike? I, I never worked there. Mike worked no, there. I worked there. No, it was it was um it was a different time. When was it oh. 2000, 2011, maybe? Yeah, 2011. Mm. Um with Matt Austin and Sean Liu and Sorry, I'm putting everybody's names out there. Eric Alfie. Put them out there. Brielle, what up? Um, the, the, the wordsmith. Classic. <laughs> um, yeah, Jimmy and Joe's classic. It's been a couple of years uh, yeah, since I've been there, that. but dude, I've man, when I was working there, I can't tell you how many slices I ate. Out of control. Here, here's the thing. Wait, wait, was it better when it was at the old location across the street behind the the CVS or yeah. across the street? at next to the Albertsons. CVS. CVS. Something was just different. It was just it hits different. different, yeah. Yep. 
Ian, do you remember if I'd taken you to Jimmy and Joe's? Because we had like a pizza thing going on for a while. We were trying to do like reviews of different pizza spots. Yeah, when I first moved here, you were trying, you were showing me like, because, you know, I got off the plane when I moved here and I just started bitching about pizza for like six months. So <laughs> meeting you, you were like, all right, I'm going to take you to get good pizza. And we went to Jimmy and Joe's. I definitely recall it. That's where they, they give you the little cutter because the slice is so big. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Now, now the, the way you like said that, the way you said that, you were you you're like, oh yeah, I I, I recall that. Is it, is it a good <laughs> recollection? Is it a is a negative? Mediocre no, it was good. It was it was good for sure. <laughs> it was passable. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to sound condescending, and I think it's making it worse. But <laughs> um, no, it was good pizza for sure. It was just a, a long time ago. This is like five years ago, something like that. Would you say that your pizza palate has diminished since you've been in Arizona? I ordered Papa John's the other day, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure it has. <laughs> I can't oh. even be mad because I like Papa John's, like especially the garlic dipping sauce. Oh, that's the only reason to get it, but you can dip anything in that and it'll taste good. Yeah, well, yeah that's well, anything that's true. food. I See, like the... the... Go for it, Ben. Sorry. Oh, see, the, the best thing is when you when you need your fix of like that that Joe sauce, especially realizing like, oh, I can just make this at home, and uh, I'm not gonna drop the secret recipe over here on in the public. But oh yeah, it's always taste at home. Do you make that at, at your house, Ben, in Texas? Yeah, I, I keep I keep like a squirt bottle of it like in the fridge. Oh, you That's should legit. text me. You should text me the recipe. Oh, Mike should know it. They made vats of it in the back. Yeah, <laughs> Mike's Mike, Mike's given me like the gist of it, but never with measurements. I know it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but um, and it's it's evolved over the years to to know you to fit your palate and to uh, as your tastes evolve. But yeah, the the amazing things you can do with a certain type of salad dressing. Speaking speaking of that, like so, every batch is going to be maybe just a little bit different. Uh, depending on how whoever makes it tweaks it or adds a little this, a little bit of that. But um, have you guys ever? You've been to Freddy's. Do you have Freddy's in Texas? Oh yeah. So they that, they. Go ahead. I was just gonna say they used to make their secret sauce in house, and then they fucking started manufacturing just like oh, like peel top, like fry sauces, and it was like it's not as good anymore. When they mixed it up in the restaurant and gave you like the little ramekin, you know, thing. It was really good and so i mean there is something to be said for making it in-house um but i think you were gonna yeah so i mean we have that's the one thing i've noticed about living growing up in uh the phoenix area and then moving to uh texas is that both are heavy transplant cities where like we had spring training we have people from all over the the country and the world moving to phoenix uh, especially from Canada, coming down to escape the winter. But very few people uh, besides us uh, would be actually from there. Be like, okay, I was born and raised. Here I am. I'm from the Valley. I'm going to rep it. And coming to Texas, there is definitely that culture there of like, I'm a I'm a 10th generation Dallasite, yeehaw, and I only root for the Cowboys and the Rangers, and I don't even like the Rangers that much. Um, but... But yeah, it's the amount of people moving to a place and seeing all the different restaurants that may be regional delicacies. Like there's a Culver's in Arizona, and that's like only in the Midwest. Or uh, the fact that there's a Portillo's 
now in Tempe when there's also one in uh, Chicago. And just like see, seeing how that the diaspora really affects all of that. Yeah, they just put a Lou Malnati's in right next to that Portillo's. So now they have the Chicago pizza to go with the Chicago hot dogs right in that little area. I mean, it is right down the street from Sloan Park, which is the Chicago Cubs spring training facility. Yep. So it only makes sense. <laughs> but they're uh, they're also opening up like all of those uh, the Fox restaurants in Arizona that are in Arizona here in Texas. So we have like a. Uh, the, the Henry Culinary Dropout, uh, Pizzeria Bianco, like all of these like crazy places that are like known, like good mid to, mid to upper tier, uh, fast casual dining in Arizona are like really spreading out too. Which is just, it's cool to see and uh, get a little taste of home. Yeah. And on like the reverse of that, I was even saying yesterday, like there's a ton of Whataburgers I've seen popping up everywhere. Um, there's like one in Queen Creek, one in Chandler, one in Gilbert, like um we're still unsure if uh because a part of it, going back to the, what we were saying about the vine um the, all spend was telling me the gas station and a few of the other buildings in that surrounding area were also being sold so my question was is the waterburger being sold um here we, we, we should ask him ask in the chat uh is the waterburger still being sold was it was all of those buildings uh that, those businesses that yeah. weren't owned by asu sold i'm sure the there's chat, uh someone who knows <laughs> press f pay respects but um yeah no that's that's awesome like i i do like to see like the expansion and, and like that's that's cool like because i know there's a lot of people like you were saying come from texas to here i see that especially where i'm at i'm in a growing area um he's not a steven's not a commercial real estate agent uh, why though why <laughs> we need the answers uh dang we're going in on food right now you it's funny you said it was in the in a former village in because there was a village in out here in queen creek and it just shut down and now there's a it's called um oh it's not fuzzy's tacos what is it scorchies scorchies tacos torchies are you that familiar with torchies as a texas staple yeah torchies is great all right well there you go perfect example it works <laughs> perfectly within the context now now the one thing that is a true texas institution is uh bucky's you just about this? to ask i was just about to ask if it's as good as they say what's bucky's oh what is bucky's uh bucky's is a gas station experience they <laughs> they only exist here in texas i believe they just opened their first one out of state like in alabama or something but it is like a 100 to 200 uh gas pump station that only serves cars and trucks um uh no no 18 wheelers but they always advertise we have the cleanest bathrooms in texas <laughs> but you walk in and you are greeted by this giant chipmunk that is just a statue in bronze outside of each bucky's and they have everything they have a full kitchen with their own jerky uh <laughs> their own uh their own like entire merch it's like a 7-eleven and a walmart had some sort of uh ch hybrid child to where you can you can get all of your things you can get your texas uh shaped cast iron skillet but also some uh, rifle ammo it's a one-stop so like shop walmart <laughs> <Finally. gas station. laughs> that's amazing i'm a, I'm, I, I have some class 
I think I could appreciate a Bucky's because I've become a gas station snob. Because it's like once you step in the foot of a, once you step foot in a QT, you can never go back to a Circle K. Like the mm-hmm. experience is just night and day. Um, and if I ever have to poop while I'm traveling, it's gonna be in a QT. Um, I live I live out here in the boonies. Mike, Mike, what's your what do you what do you got on this? It sounds like QT doesn't even sniff the jockstrap of Bucky's though. We're a hundred pumps so out of the, of the loop. Damn. Yeah, I've seen like uh, different like content creators and stuff when they travel to Texas. They always make sure that they make a stop at Bucky's, and you see it. It's like a exactly. It's like a mini Walmart. It's everything in there for a gas station is wild. Got to check it out one day for sure. It, it is truly an experience. Every trip to Austin or Houston or around, you have to stop at Bucky's. Oh, is there not a Bucky's in Dallas? So they, that's the thing. They they are like a road trip place. So they're on the way out of major metro areas. So they like surround them so that like it's your first first or last major gas station that you hit. Gotcha. Which is, which is super so, smart. Are they only so on freeways? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're only on freeways for the most so part. So like pull off. So okay. I guess I can't be mad at you for not taking me then. But um, <laughs> next next time I'm out there, my you know, when you were here, Bucky's. when you were here, it was I was a little busy. There was uh, some things going on. And yeah, yeah. I guess you were you you weren't the most generous host. I like you said you had some other oh, things wow. going. <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. He, he was here for my wedding. Uh, <laughs> As a, as a groomsman, <laughs> but exactly, but yeah, I was there, the there was some stuff going on. No, 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 it was a good time. It was a great time. I was happy to be out there, happy to be a part of that beautiful day um, with you and your and your wife. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Um, and didn't mean that you you gave us a great dinner that night. Me and me and my fiance, you did give us that. So you were a generous host in that evening. That is true. I was about to say, Chris, isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Aren't you supposed to be kind of bending over backwards for Ben while you're there, not expecting be- it the other way, man? What the hey, I bend it all. With you? I did. I bend it all over the place for Ben while I was he, out there. Let me tell you, he was you. on the dance floor. He did bend it back. There you go. Bust every move. <laughs> But man, now I'm even more hungry than I was before I ate that sandwich. Shit, I got cats attacking me. <laughs> how many so, how many cats do you have now? Um, so I I had three, and then me and Sabrina moved in together a couple of years ago, and now I have four. Um, nice. I can show I can show you this one maybe. Oh, have you have you decided the favorite? This guy. This guy's my favorite. Ooh. Royce, he's Royce the Royce the Nine Lives. He's my first cat that I got. Um, Mike lived with him. Ian lived with him um, when yep. we were all roommates for for a little while there. Um, and uh, he's a good boy. He's kind of an asshole, but uh, he's my guy. He's the, um, I do. He's the OG. I do also really like Sabrina's cat Pocket. She she's kind of taken a liking to me. Uh, she's a little black girl cat, and she is uh, she's a little feisty, but she's a cutie. Um, is this pets time? Pets sharing time? I know you got you guys both got dogs. <laughs> Ian's got a cute little uh, pit mix. Archie, come here. I always love I always love the pets. Hey, Can you see him? There he yep, is. there he is. Yeah. 
<laughs> Archie always barks at me whenever I go crying to visit at me because I'm not. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a little territorial. But like, he's still I guess not used to yet. we could we. I guess is our the cats versus dogs. That's a cultural debate. People are all, all that's a polarizing topic. Are I'm kind of a cat and dogs person, but I'd probably lean more cat. Uh, and I, I'd imagine since you have a dog, you'd probably lean more dog. But you've lived with both. Like, what do you think? I like cats. I like all animals. I'm just more of a dog person for sure. I, they, there's more of a rapport. Like, you know, you can give your dog commands, and you know, there's there's an understanding more than there is with cats. I would say. That's very true. You can't tell a cat to do it, fucking anything. Ben, what you? Yeah. Who, who's that? Who's that? There, there, there's Jackie. She is very, she's very sleepy. It is almost a, uh, it's a, about, a. We're about two hours ahead here in Texas, so she's been having a long day, lounging, staring at squirrels. Uh, she's been waking up in the middle of the night to chase possums in the backyard, which has been uh, very fun for us to find the results. <laughs> yes, dude. Speaking of dead animals, um, yeah, do you really want to go to, the, to this right now? Yeah, yeah, I do because it's it's important and I feel horrible about it. Um, I I don't know what it is. Me and Sabrina installed these shades in our bedroom window, and for some reason, birds keep flying into our window. And before we would always go check just to make sure, and there would never they would be they would bounce off of it or whatever and fly away. But apparently yesterday morning when we were both woken up by the loudest bang on a window we've ever heard, this bird broke its neck flying headfirst into our bedroom window. And we go outside and it's just – there's a dead bird laying right outside. So naturally we did the rational thing and Sabrina made me dig a two-foot deep hole with a garden trowel and we buried it in my backyard. <laughs> um, so laid that bird to rest, said a little prayer – um and uh i actually went i had to go on amazon and buy like reflective stickers i'm gonna try and put up on the window so no more birds die and and i don't have you guys ever killed an animal unintentionally i don't think am i responsible just by having that being in the house it being my house am i responsible for that bird's deaths absolutely not (laughs) no you'll get a free pass on that one Speaking of what, what does that mean? <laughs> so uh, this this reminds me of a slightly off topic, but going back to uh, Jason Tatum and cringe, um, this is a area myself as cringy. That many years ago, like when I was uh, little, there was a big like dinner. It was like a Thanksgiving dinner of like people from different families uh, coming in, and I was at the kids' table and. It was about that time, like in the mid 2000s, where dead baby jokes were really, really funny, um, or at least for me. And so, sitting at the kids' oh, table, there happened right. to be uh, babies there. And so I looked over to one of the moms of these babies and goes, "Go, so uh, anyone here like to hear a dead baby joke?" <laughs> anyway, I have not heard from uh, that side of the family ever since. And, um, <laughs> You did your work. <laughs> you got blacklisted, Ben. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, not not my proudest moment, but here we are. 
Yeah, nobody else has any other dead animal stories. I've I've definitely been driving when I had my F one fifty, and it was one of those situations where you see the bird coming up and you're like, okay, buddy, hopefully you're hopefully you're gonna fly away. Yeah. You get a little bit closer and you're like, all right, man, do I have to hit the horn to let you know what's going on? And then just almost like right on top of it, and it got up and swerved and hit right into my grill and. That was the end of it, unfortunately. Man. Yeah. I had a similar situation where I was driving through like a residential street and I pass under a tree. And I think what happened was a mama bird pushed the baby bird out of the nest to teach it how to fly, but it just went, went straight down onto my windshield. <laughs> and I didn't really know what to do at the time. So I thought maybe if I hit the windshield wipers, I could like get it loose. Oh God. And that did that backfired terribly and it just streaked blood on my windshield. Uh, yeah, it was one of the worst things I've ever experienced. Uh, definitely cried for the rest of the car ride. That sounds like something out of a fucking movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't for sure. I shouldn't share another story about animals dying by my hand. I I guess I was gonna say it might just be on you, Chris. So (laughs) this is the only we might have to blame the broken neck on you. Not not just your house. I I because I the only reason I think I feel a little guilty is because other like I said, other birds had ran into it before, and I was just like, oh, I guess they're just gonna keep running into it and bouncing off. And then now that one's died, I, I feel guilty about it. But um this was years ago this is probably almost a decade ago i was still living with my parents <laughs> animal bird podcast. you're right you're right actually i'm not going to share a story about me killing more animals you're right that's a good point um we should go on to what any other topic other than that um to, to keep it um maybe somewhat sports related i was thinking um uh how how we could maybe talk about some of the sports video games coming up um there's madden and nba 2k 23 um devin booker is obviously going to be on the cover of 2k 23 i'll you love to see it uh the cover art looked pretty dope of course nowadays they they have eight different editions of the game so there's going to be uh you know WNBA player cover editions legend cover editions alternate cover editions hall of fame legend editions platinum editions whatever all that shit but in any case back to the point at hand um, I did see uh, Chris Paul was disrespectfully rated like 78 overall on um, in, in the upcoming 2K. And so like, do, do you even like put any stock in in these rank ratings or rankings? And like, or do you guys even do you got uh, first? I guess first and foremost, do you guys play sports video games? Like I kind of dabble in them. I play the show. Not I really 2k in a while um the last 2k i played i think was the one that had luca on the cover of it which might have been last year but um yeah they they broke some mechanics in it i don't think i enjoy it as much as i did back in the 2k 12 2k 13 days yeah i I don't really uh never really got into any of the sports games I, i played fifa for a little bit um but it's usually been like first person shooters like warzone or uh single player games like fallout or oblivion or those those types of games 
Is there a new Fallout coming out soon? They they announced it's under development. It should be. It's going to come out as Fallout Five after they finish uh, Elder Scrolls Six. Because mm. is that still like Bethesda Studio and all that? Yeah, and 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 that's the main reason I switched back from a PS4 to back to Xbox uh, with the new gen was because like Bethesda got bought by Microsoft, then we just mm-hmm. need to make sure that I'm able to access those games. Yeah, the exclusivity <laughs> deals and whatnot. Bethesda's oh, but, a big company to miss out on, so. Oh yeah, so uh, but I think their their next big game, as uh, Stephen put in the chat, is uh, Starfield, which is supposed oh, to yeah. be Fallout but open world and in space. They've been developing it for like almost like a decade. It's been there, insane. There was another game like that. Ian, you used to play um, No, no Man's Sky. Sky. No yeah. Man's Sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is it going to be like No Man's Sky, but done right? Because I know there's a lot of criticism to that game, like when it came out that it was kind of like similar to Cyberpunk. It was just incomplete, um, very repetitive, not a lot to do. Yeah, with, with No Man's Sky, it's something like 18 quintillion planets or some nonsense. So you've got to imagine, you know, the planets are pretty empty. Where Starfield, I think it's going to be, I don't know, six, seven planets, something in that range, but they're going to be very, very focused and they're going to be actually full of things. Like it's not going to be just desolate wasteland the entire time, you know? Yeah, because with with No Man's Sky, it had like that that auto generation feature where Mm -hmm. it's like you had to go out farther than anyone else has ever been to get to the point where it's like it's a new planet or new something like that. But for uh, Starfield, I think it's taking that same mentality but making sure that it's fleshed out and has like a really deep lore and world building experience, which like Bethesda is really known for. Yeah. Yeah, I could trust me. Did you say? Did you say? But is Bethesda also the Elder Scrolls series? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, if you look at a game like Skyrim or any of those games, like there's yeah a lot of detail, a lot of meticulous work, similar to Grand Theft Auto, which I know Mike is patiently waiting for the next grand theft auto five release um for the next next oh no hell no man are you kidding me i'm done i know they keep patching and adding stuff to it but that i need something new we that game literally broke my xbox 360 so i played enough of it i don't need to play any more of it it killed my Uh, ps3 too I am um, ex- I am excited for 2K23 to come out. It'll probably be the first one that I play since Kyrie was on the cover, which I think was 2K17 or 18. So it's been a, a handful of years, but it's also going to force my hand to actually buy a new console because um, I've just kind of been dragging my feet about that. I've, I'm a really big uh, single player um, game story mode kind of guy, like. Assassin's Creed 2 is probably my favorite game of all time, just with that storyline and whatnot. Uh, Love GTA, Red Dead, anything that I can get my hands on and really get immersed within the story. I know one of my saddest things was I had gotten that uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order one, that game that came out Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. And I have an Xbox that came out with, oh man, what was it? That first Lord of the Rings game um shadow of mordor yeah yeah that one so it's an older xbox and when i got jedi fallen order like it was struggling to keep up and then i definitely got to a point where there was within the game there's too many enemies on the screen at once 
So the game would chop, it would become so choppy that I couldn't like get past that point within the game. And I really enjoyed that game. So when I finally get this new Xbox, I'll be able to go back and finish that one off too. So I could thank Devin Booker for being on the cover <laughs> for getting a new Xbox. I I think like like you just said, you're getting you're gonna get a new Xbox. Ben got an Xbox. Um Ian has an Xbox now. Um I've been a loyal day one Xbox supporter. And I'm just gonna say with everything they're doing with Game Pass and they're they're getting these exclusives and people are kind of done with all the PlayStation single player shit. Like there's still a place for that, don't get me wrong. But I think the new last the last of us ex- uh, sequel kind of flopped. Um, there was the ghost of here, uh, Tashima or whatever. That sounds like a good game, but yeah, all, all great games. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from that game in particular, but there's only, there's only so much you can do with the single player game where, especially when you look at, like I said, what Xbox is doing with the game pass. I just think Microsoft is going to dominate that space. If, if Sony doesn't pivot, like Ben, it was what, like you said, like, um, with the Bethesda games, that was the biggest factor. But do, do you have Game Pass, or, or what? Was there anything else that you looked at where Sony wasn't meeting your your needs as a consumer? Yeah, it, it was just one hundred percent Bethesda. I'm like, okay, this is the type of games I like. This is what I uh, am, have been waiting for for years, and like fell in love with. So, I uh, whatever the next console is that I'm going to get, it needs to be something that I know that for a fact I'll be able to access that. Um, but yeah, like I have found it like it's really useful to have Game Pass um, for only 15 bucks a month, just going on and being able to download like random games and play around and play games that I haven't possibly tried before. Um, but speaking back to what Mike had said about uh, breaking consoles, has anyone here tried to uh, break a console or tried to use their console to have like success in a live match game and uh, what was the result of that i i think i know where he's going with this um i wouldn't say break my console is the, the right phrase but me and ben we go farther back than we go way back um and we were in high school and this was uh it was a very memorable summer oh we weren't even in high school yet i think it was the summer between eighth grade and freshman year or somewhere around that time maybe we were in high school already it doesn't matter it was a long time ago um we were playing halo 3 um me him and another friend az chris you might see him at some point in time on this on this podcast and stream um he was we were all playing halo together and at that point on xbox 360 xbox live there was uh, something people called a lag switch that they would hit where it would they wouldn't lose their internet connection, but it would make it slow enough to give them an advantage where they could glitch or, you know, get an edge. Anyway, I did some real um, rookie level research on, on the Google machine, uh, went down to Ace Hardware, Home Depot, bought a few, uh, you know, a switch and some wires and uh, kind of, you know, fucked with my parents' um, router a little bit, and I was like, "I got a lag switch, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit this, and it's gonna, it's gonna give us an edge." Um, so we're playing a game on Halo Three, probably like Slayer or something, um, and we're, I don't, I don't even remember Ben if it even matters. I think we, were, it was probably like a neck and neck game, or like maybe we were a little bit behind. But I was like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the lag switch." I go and I flip it and just 
disconnects me. So I created a disconnect the internet switch. Um, it was like on or off. Um, so so for for us in the game, he's going, all right, guys, this is it. I'm going to get it. And it's like, I want to press the switch. And then you hear it, cut the mic, and then you get the notification. Uh, ben Gans 09 has left the party. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was Ben Gans back then. I... I'm ter- still to this day, I can't spell for shit, but I tried to, I wanted my name to be Vengeance09. So it was 2009, probably was the year. Um, and I spelled it V-E-N-G-A-N-C-E. Um, so, and I, but I didn't want to pay the eight bucks or whatever to change it. Because <laughs> I was whatever, you know, 14 years old and didn't have any money to my name. So um, it was Vengeance09 for a couple of years there and um, wore that as a badge of honor. But now, now I'm Tupac. Um, even though I called Cody white Tupac on the heat check podcast, um, but I, but that's a whole nother story. We can get into that on a later time, but you know, that that's not as bad as, uh, my current one, uh, being Harambe lives 2k 16. <laughs> that's actually, that's pretty good because it, didn't it, it, Harambe, it like fine wine. Harambe passed in 16, right? Uh, was assassinated. assassinated. <laughs> Well, hey, it's a good remembrance for anybody that you play with, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you can never let people forget Harambe. Did you guys well, hear about the uh, the second animal that was uh, killed? There was this, in Norway, a uh, walrus that was going up and jumping on the backs of boats, just hanging out on people's boats in a fury. <laughs> and it got up to be the point of being over 400 pounds. And people kept going. The government said, Hey, you know, stop going near this walrus. It's going to start getting aggressive towards you and want food and jump on more boats. And you know what people did? They kept going near the uh <laughs> they kept going near the boats so the Norwegian government uh had to euthanize Frida the walrus. Frida? <laughs> Frida, that's a great name. <laughs> they had to oh, That see that's just terrible, man. You just you take it out on the animal. It was never their fault. There's just what is it coming to? Who's who's next? Shamu is Shamu gonna get assassinated when he splashes? I did already, some... man. I was gonna say Shamu's probably. I think that actually Gone. really really happened. Gone. Dude, I remember last thing I'll say um, when uh, that Blackfish documentary came out. I became real passionate advocate for those orca whales um i've never been to sea world since but anyway we've gone through so many topics so many topics um we talked about dead animals that happened um but it's been (laughs) other than that topic it's been a lot of fun i i think uh ian and ben miller for being on this podcast we're gonna have ben back on he's a he's kind of an expert in arizona asu sports uh so we're gonna have him go uh, go and rant about herm edwards and what's going on with the arizona sun devils um we'll always have ian to come on if anything new york related comes up um he'll be on these round tables and fuck ian you can come on the heat check podcast you can come on other shows too uh we'll figure it out for sure but um but yeah, um, does anyone have anything else they want to say before I cut the stream? Yeah, I got one more thing. Shoot. Can you see this? Is it showing? 
Is it not showing? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me add that. Is it not showing? Oh, that's so sad. We got it. We got it. We got it. it. Oh, it's not going to show it. That's whack. Uh, It was the Cliff Kingsbury shot of him. Uh, HBO is doing some whack shit, man. Damn it. Yeah, we've been uh we've been having some trials and tribulations <laughs> with the with the screen sharing and whatnot. But uh well last like, he's not even at his desk. He's at some like random put together desk with a couple of notepads in front of him just looking. <laughs> Do you say it like a controller in his hand? He was just like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our coach. That's our coach. And a couple of blinks. A couple of blinks. The slow blinks. All right, fellas. Well, this was a Valley Sports Plug roundtable for the month of August. We'll be coming back at you. We got the Heat Check podcast. We got past the outlet. Um, stick with us at underscore AZ underscore VSP. Until next time. <laughs>